Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Today we're starting a new series that I'm really excited about. It's called The Gospel According To. And the word gospel in the New Testament, it's a Greek word and it just means good news, basically. And the world we live in is full of individuals and groups that are trying to tell us what good news is. They all have uh, their, their own version of good news. We live in a world where we hear people say, well, I'm gonna speak my truth. And what we hear are all these different messages. We're bombarded by different gospels, if I can say it that way, different versions of good news from different points in our culture. And so over the next few weeks, what we're gonna be exploring is this idea that there is, that there is a gospel, a kind of gospel that's coming at us all the time. And what we need to do is figure out how to differentiate between a different gospel and the authentic gospel. What does that look like? And this is not an opportunity for me to just bash um, secular culture because it's horrible and it's bad and you don't need to read anything that's not Christian or listen to anything that's not Christian, anything like that. Really my goal is to just help you be able to differentiate and be mature enough to make wise choices about what we uh, consume, what we listen to, what we are entertained by. And that's really what my hope is during this series. So over the course of this series, and uh, there's some invite cards like this one. And the reason we're doing this series is for you to invite your friends. Invite your friends who don't wanna hear me preach line by line through Ephesians. But if you say, hey, we're gonna have a weekend where we talk about the gospel according to Harry Styles. And if you don't know who Harry Styles is, ask your child or your grandchild, they'll tell you. They know who he is. Um, they might come for a service like that. They might come to hear the gospel according to the Beatles. And some of you are a little more enthused about that because you have no idea who Harry Styles is. Uh, but we're gonna be walking through some of that together over the next few weeks. And I, I really do believe it's gonna be impactful. And my prayer is that we're gonna see people saved and lives transformed through it. So, Today, we're gonna start the series, and I wanna show you a quick video that'll intro uh, today's message. Close your eyes. Now forget what you see. What do you feel? You gotta put your past behind you. Look, kid, bad things happen, and you can't do anything about it, right? Right. Wrong! When the world turns its back on you, you turn your back on the world. I had to have faith in my dream. No one was going to hand it to me. It was up to me to reach for that dream, grab it tight, and make it come true. Haven't you ever had a dream? Something you wanted so bad you'd do anything? What if it's not everything I dreamed it would be? It will be. And what if it is? What do I do then? Well, that's the good part, I guess. You get to go find a new dream. Listen, kid, you can't get rid of fear. It's like Mother Nature. You can't beat her or outrun her. But you can get through it. You can find out what you're made of. And you must not let anyone define your limits because of where you come from. Your only limit is your soul. You got the makings of greatness in you. But you gotta take the helm and charge your own course. Stick to it, no matter the squalls. Let the spirits of the earth guide you. You know your path, child. 
Life's not a spectator sport. If watching is all you're going to do, then you're going to watch your life go by without you. To infinity and beyond! Teeny, you're free. I don't want to survive! I want to live! Look at the stars. The great kings of the past look down on us from those stars. Yes. So whenever you feel alone, just remember that those kings will always be there to guide you. And so alive. So today we're talking about the gospel according to Disney. And I don't know how you feel about Disney one way or the other. There are people that feel like Disney is the, um, it's the fruits of the devil. And then we've got people that are like, it's, you know, Walt Disney is like half a step below Jesus. Um, I'm probably somewhere in between. But I do have some real questions about Disney. There's things I've never really understood. There's things that I've never gotten. Um, and even growing up, I didn't understand this. So Mickey Mouse, typically, he's always wearing pants or shorts, but he never wears a shirt. I didn't really understand that. I also didn't understand why Donald Duck always wears his sailor's uniform, but he doesn't have any pants. But if he gets out of the shower, he'll wrap a towel around his waist. So he's fine not wearing pants in public, but he feels uncomfortable not having them on when he gets out of the shower. I don't understand that. Um, Goofy. Goofy's a dog, right? So if Goofy's a dog but acts like a human, what did Pluto do wrong? <laughs> now he's just a dog, right? Goofy gets to live in the house and have a family and opposable thumbs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But Pluto just lives in the doghouse like a dog. That doesn't seem fair to me. I don't really understand why people who in real life would be villains seem like heroes in Disney movies. Like Pinocchio, that guy's a scoundrel, right? He's a liar. Um, he's deceitful to his father. He, uh, he sees literally truckloads of children that are being taken to their doom. They're t- being turned into donkeys. He knows what's happening and he doesn't try to stop it. He's just like, I'm out, right? I gotta take care of myself. Snow White was basically just a pretty squatter. She shows up at this house while people are gone to work. (laughs) She takes advantage of it. She's like, this place is a mess. I'm homeless. Uh, If I clean this joint, maybe they'll let me stay. And that's the arrangement she makes. They come home and find her asleep in the bed. And they're like, well, she's pretty. And she cleaned. I guess we'll let her stay around. And that's another thing we see throughout Disney movies. Typically, the hero or the, the heroine of the movie is very pretty or attractive, and you know who the villain is because they are so unattractive. That feels uncomfortable to me because that's not real life. I've known some very pretty people whose souls were questionable at best, right? What if I told you this story? 13, 14-year-old girl, 15 maybe, 
spoiled rotten, very affluent family, has everything you could ask for. She meets a young man from the wrong side of town, and she knows nothing about him. She has a chance encounter. She knows that he is very handsome and that he loves animals. And that is all she knows. And she goes to her father and she professes her undying affection for this person. And her father blows his gasket, as any reasonable father would, by the way. He goes crazy. She rebels, she leaves home, she leaves her culture, her family for this man. She leaves everything she knows for someone she barely knows. She's infatuated with him. And she leaves behind her family. She leaves behind her culture. She leaves behind the wealth. And she was very wealthy. You could say she had gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I just described to you Ariel and the Little Mermaid. In the film, we celebrate her. Like, oh, she's pushing back. She's chasing her dreams. But if this was real life, we'd be like, this chick needs to be grounded, right? Like... Triton needs to do something about this because it's not real life. And what we see is there are a set of values that are contrary to the values that we espouse as believers. And so I wanna walk through a few of those with you today. The gospel according to Disney says, you do not need a hero. You don't need a hero. Think about some of the films that have come out, especially over the last few years. Movies like Mulan, where there's a, a young girl who steps in to her father's place to go to war. She fills a man's position, she pretends to be a man, and she fights, and she pushes back, and she makes it very clear, I don't need anybody to save me, I am a strong person, I can do this on my own. And we see this narrative throughout Disney movies, just believe in yourself, trust yourself, you are good enough, you are strong enough, you can do it. We see this. Um, we see it in, there was a film called Brave that came out a few years ago and red-haired girls across the world celebrated, right? Merida, this strong princess, she, um, the, the movie opens basically with her father trying to marry her off to all these lugheads, right? Like these losers, these guys, and she's like, I don't need these men. And then she wins this competition and she kind of rebels and we celebrate because she is strong and she doesn't need somebody to save her. Frozen is the most recent, very popular Disney movie that came out. And we see Anna and Elsa. And Anna has her, her man, but Elsa is a strong woman. She literally is a force of nature, right? She doesn't need anyone. She doesn't need anybody to save her. In fact, you might need somebody to save you from her because that's how strong she is. But that's not always how Disney movies were. Think back to the original Disney movies. Snow White was the very first one. Snow White, she has a prince who saves her. We see this formula over and over and over again, that, that there are, there's a damsel in distress and they require someone to rescue them. But here's the thing that's interesting. Most of the time, especially in the older films, the prince is never identified. You don't even know his name. In fact, they didn't even give him a name until Sleeping Beauty. And, and does anybody happen to know the name of Sleeping Beauty's prince? Just shout it out. Anybody? Philip. Philip. Somebody's been watching their Disney. 
as a grown adult. No shame, Bethany, don't worry, we're good. That's right, it's Philip. Most of us wouldn't know that, do you know why? Because we don't really care. We don't care that Prince Charming didn't really have a name. He just called, we just called him Prince Charming, right? Prince Charming. And, and this is something that we have gotten in our heads um, that, and Disney really pushed this idea that, hey, you need a hero. You need a save. You need somebody to rescue you. But even though we had a rescuer, there was a hero, we didn't know his name. He was so unimportant to the story that this person, the damsel in distress, was still the star of the story. We didn't even need to know his name. That's how unimportant the hero was, even in the early Disney stories. So Disney tells us, you, you don't need a hero. You are your own hero. You can do it. Just believe it. You can achieve it. But that's not what we see in the gospel. The gospel says, you do need a hero. A few weeks ago, we finished up our series called uh, Holier Than Thou, and we talked explicitly about how we as sinful people need a hero. We need a savior, that we can't save ourselves. We're incapable of saving ourselves. In fact, it says in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. We can't do it on our own. We need Jesus to make up the difference for us. We need a savior. We need a hero. We need somebody to step in because we can't do it on our own. And one of the interesting things that I've found is um, I know for me, when I'm watching a movie or reading a, a story, I relate to characters in the story. And you probably do the same thing. There's a character we relate to. And almost always, for most people, it's aspirational. It's not real. Because if I read a story and I related perfectly to the character, it looked just like me, it would not be a very interesting story about me, right? So I, I want to I wanna aspire to something. And it was interesting. A few years ago, the movie Taken had come out, and my wife and I had a romantic date night. We would watch Taken together. I picked the movie that night, obviously. And it's a story about this this man whose daughter is kidnapped by like Bulgarian terrorists and they take her overseas and it's horrible like what they're gonna do to her. And this guy happens to be a, like a former CIA agent and he tracks them down and like breaks all their necks and it's, it is a love story. It's about a, a father's love for his daughter. Anyway, and so we've, we finished the movie and we're getting in the car and I'm like, baby, if you ever get kidnapped by Bulgarian terrorists, I'm coming for you. And she said, baby, you wouldn't get out of the airport. I know, I know, you're right, you're right. But I related to that character, like, yeah, let's go, right? And so we relate to characters in these stories. And so many times what happens is we don't relate to the damsel in distress, especially for men, we relate to the hero. I wanna be, I wanna be the, the knight in shining armor. I wanna be the one who saves the day. And this is what I want you to understand you are not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. You and I, as uncomfortable as this might be for you to hear, you and I are the damsel in distress. We're the ones in need of rescuing. And Jesus shows up on the scene and does what we cannot do in order to rescue us. But not only that, See, our story is different because 
Even though the one, we're the ones being rescued, we have to understand the story is not our story. Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. He's talking in, in Romans chapter four um, about the impact of, of Abraham, who Abraham was, his faith, what God did through him. And it says in, in Romans chapter four, verse two, and this is the message version. It says, if Abraham, by what he did for God, got God to approve him, he could certainly have taken credit for it. So what it says is, if by behaving correctly and living morally, Abraham could have earned the favor and the justification of God being found not guilty of our sin. If he could have done that, then he could have taken credit for it. He could have been like, no, 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 Jesus, I don't need you to do anything for me. I got this. And what it's saying is he could have been the hero of the story, but we know he could not do that. We cannot. We're incapable of it. And he goes on to say, but the story we're given is a God story, not an Abraham story. And this is the problem for many of us as believers is we go, yes, Jesus, you're a savior, but, but you're, you're a side character in this story. This is my story. I'm the hero. I'm the protagonist of my story. This is about me. And what you fail to recognize is not only are you the damsel in distress, you are an ancillary character in your story. It is not your story. It is God's story. It is the story of Jesus working through you in planet Earth. And when we begin to live that way and we understand my life is not my own, this life is not about me. I am not the primary character. It's not primarily about my comfort or my feelings or, or my desires. It is primarily about God's comfort and feelings and desires. And what can I do to please him? What can I do to glorify him? Because he is the primary character in the story. When we begin to live our lives that way, it transforms us. So many times our problem is We've mis miscast ourselves in our stories. We think it's about us, and it's not about us. It's about God. It's about what Christ wants to do through us. And not only do we need a hero, we have to understand we are not the lead characters of our story. It's not our story. It's God's story. The Gospel According to Disney says this, your life will have a happy ending. Don't you love at the end of the story, and they all lived happily ever after the end. Oh, you get this nice resolution and everything feels good. And here's the thing. Even in, in Disney movies that don't start off well, you know it's a Disney movie, right? We're going to get a happy ending out of this thing. So I don't want any hateful emails or Facebook messages or anything like that from what I'm about to say. I'm going to spoil some movies for you. And if you're upset by it, some of these movies are 80 years old. It's your fault, not mine, okay? The movie Bambi opens, and it's this deer with his mother. And pretty quickly into the film, we discover that Bambi's mom has been shot by a hunter, by an evil hunter. Can you believe these evil hunters? <laughs> Sorry. Some of you are like, I got a deer on the roof of my car right now. <laughs> right? And this is the thing. In Bambi, all it shows is like, Bambi, run. And then like, you hear a gunshot and the birds fly out of the, the undergrowth and it's like, oh no, what happened? It's not like the next scene is the hunter like field dressing Bambi's mom or you know what I mean? Dragging her out of the woods. That's, that's not what happens. Might be cooler if it did, but. But this is the thing. Bambi's mom is killed in the first act of the movie, right? 
but we still get, and they all lived happily ever after. Um, we see this over and over and over. There's lots of films that start off not so great, but end up okay. Um, we see one of my favorites is The Lion King. And I love the voice acting in The Lion King, Mufasa. Like, I love just hearing their voices. And there's this scene where Scar, Mufasa's brother, is got his hands on his hands or his paws on his paws and he's hanging off the cliff and he lets him go and he, Mufasa plummets to his death. And Simba sees it and he feels responsible and he runs off. And this is this tragic moment in Simba's life. But do you know what happens? They all live happily ever after. The end. It's a big comeback. And he's got a family at the end. Sure, I lost my dad, but everything worked out. Everything's great. Everything's perfect. Because it's a Disney movie. One of my, one of my I, don't, I don't cry much when it comes to animated movies. But this is the exception. And if you don't cry at this movie, you, you might be a soulless robot, okay? <laughs> there was a movie that came out a few years ago called Up. You know. If you know, you know. And it's a story about Carl and Ellie, and they've got this really beautiful relationship. It's like the, you know, classic couple goals thing. Like, oh, I want a relationship like that. And tragically, Ellie passes away. And Carl's left alone. And he develops a relationship with this little boy and Doug the dog. And by the end of the movie, they all live happily ever after. Over and over and over we see this. Did you know some of the movies where they live happily ever after, the stories didn't start off that way? A lot of the Disney movies were actually taken from Grimm's Fairy Tale, um, Aesop's Fables, different things. And the origin story was tweaked to make it more palatable to audiences so they could have happy endings. Um, movies like Mulan. Mulan was taken from a, a Chinese fable in the 1600s. And it was rough. It did not have a happy ending. In fact, I'll spare you some of the details, but um, the way the story actually ended is that Mulan finishes the war. They win the war. She goes back home. Her dad had passed away while she was at war. And because they found out she was a woman, she was taken as the uh, concubine for the king. And she was so unhappy, she took her own life. I don't understand why Disney cut that out. It's virtually the same movie, right? What happened? They said, no, 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 we've got to tweak these endings because we want happy endings. We see this over and over and over again. Um, in the original version of Pinocchio, Pinocchio, uh, he accidentally kills Jiminy Cricket when he steps on him. He falls asleep on a stove and burns his feet off. Not awesome. The Little Mermaid, uh, it is rough how that story ends in the original version. Um, let me just say the prince marries somebody else and the Little Mermaid doesn't take it well because she's been transformed into human and she drowns herself. Frozen, Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty is brutal. I'm not even gonna mention how that goes. These are rough and what did they do? They said, this isn't gonna work. We wanna make some happy endings. We want everything to work out well. 
And one of the things that's interesting is in these older fables, in these older stories, they weren't just intended to entertain, they were intended to inform as well. So one of the goals was to have, have, help parents be able to talk to their kids about evil, that there is evil in the world. And some of these stories were a little much, honestly. But they would be able to talk to and inform their kids that this world is not perfect. But we love happy endings, don't we? I mean, forget about Disney for a second. If you were a child of the 90s and you watched Friends, how many of you were rooting for Ross and Rachel to get together? Like, oh, I just want them to get together. Just hurry up, right? Like you just wanted them to be together. Why? Because you wanted the happy ending. You wanted the catharsis of this, like, okay, everything's resolved. But here's the thing. The gospel says you're not guaranteed a happy ending. And I know that's not popular, but this is what the word of God says. The word of God says in John 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is like his farewell address. And he says, I've told, when he, he tells them about the Holy Spirit. He tells them he's got to go away. And then he resolves this and he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Remember, he says, peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. <laughs> The only thing he says here that he promises is you'll have peace in me and you're going to have sorrows. Doesn't that just bless you? Doesn't that just encourage you? Oh, we're going to have trouble. Yes, come on. Oh, we're going to have suffering. People get excited about some suffering, right? Jesus said suffering is guaranteed. If you are breathing in and out, suffering is guaranteed. It's going to happen. And this is contrary to what Disney tells us. Disney tells us, hey, the, the story's gonna turn out. You just hang on, it's gonna be perfect. And what we see in scripture is in this life, suffering is guaranteed and there is no promise of a happy ending. And this feels bleak. It feels a little hopeless. Until we understand the promise of Jesus, you will have peace in me. And what he's saying is, hey, you're gonna go through some hard stuff. Life is hard. You're gonna deal with difficulty and heartache and sorrow and loss. It is guaranteed in this world because we live in a fallen world. But then Jesus says, but you're gonna have peace in me. Even through that, I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna hold your hand. You're not gonna go through it alone. And for those of us that call ourselves believers, that really should be enough for us. That should be enough that we go, okay, come on. I got Jesus, I've got all I need. But we struggle because we want our happy ending. We want this life to be perfect. We want it all to come together. But the reality is, that's not the world we live in. Paul tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. He says, the trouble, the heartache, the suffering you're going through, it is temporary when you have the right perspective. He goes on to say, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So what does he say? He says, we've got to have the right perspective on our suffering. We've got to have the right perspective on our, our difficulties. We have to be able to look at them and say, hey, in, in the span of eternity, this is not that big a deal. My dad used to say famously in our family, Something would happen and you go, well, you'll never know it 100 years from now. And he was absolutely true. I mean, he was right on the money. There's so many things that really don't make a difference in the span of eternity, but in the moment they hurt or they're difficult or it stinks, whatever it might be. So we have to have the right perspective, first of all, 
But then we have to understand, it says they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. What is the glory he's talking about? I think it's twofold. Number one, it produces something in our hearts that is eternal, that there is endurance, there is patience. We see new revelations of who Jesus is when we trust him in our suffering. But then beyond that, I think it produces something eternal as well. He's talking about heaven. And I I think... I said this recently, when my dad passed away a couple years ago, um, my sister said, our worst day was dad's best day. I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. Once we get to heaven, do you think we're gonna care about some of the things we think we are so important today and right now? Impressing certain people or getting rejected by people or I didn't get that job. Oh, we tried to buy this house and I can't get ahead. Do you think some of that stuff is gonna matter in eternity? No. Why? Because it is a present trouble. It's small and it won't last. So we have to put it in perspective because someday we will have our happy ending and our happy ending is heaven. But in this life, we're not guaranteed a happy ending. Orson Welles, famous movie maker and director, he said, if you want a happy ending, that depends, of course, on where your story stops. Where do you stop your story? See, the problem for many believers is we go, well, I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if I can believe God. I don't know if God's gonna help me through this. So I'm just, this is it. I'm gonna have to live with this depression. I'm gonna have to live with this sorrow. I'm gonna have to live with this loss, whatever it is. One of the most famous Psalms is Psalm 23. It's read at funerals across the world. And It says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Did you notice it says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? It doesn't say, yay, though I build a home in the valley of the shadow of death. A a, a nice summer retreat in the valley of the shadow of death. No, it doesn't say that. Park my my motor home in the valley of the shadow of death, right? I've got my travel trailer parked next to the, no. What does it say? I walk through. I'm not staying there. I'm going through. And this is part of the problem. For some of us, we get to loss, we get to sorrow, and that's where we stop our story. That's where we go, okay, God, this must be it. This is how my story ends. But God didn't intend for you to settle there. He intended for you to go through. And he's got more for you if you'll just trust him. See, you're not guaranteed a happy ending in this world. Third thing is this, the gospel according to Disney says magic will fix your problems. Think about Disney movies, every single one. Magic saves the day. And there's magic wands, magic beans, magic apples, magic kisses, magic potions. There's magic of every kind for every problem in a situation. Oh, you're not good looking enough? How about magic? It'll help you. Oh, you, you need to be a prince in order for the princess to marry you? Magic, Right? And magic seems to fix every problem in the world of Disney. And I think somewhere along the line, we've fallen into this trap where we, we, we know magic is not the answer, but somehow we still kind of do. Like everything's just gonna magically happen and fall into place. See, in, in Disney, magic will fix your problems, but the gospel says the Holy Spirit will fix your problems. You're like, wait a second, Mel. I don't think you understand what you're talking about. Well, think about this for a second. Cinderella. Cinderella, she's dressed in rags. She wants to go to the ball. She wants to meet the prince. She wants her happily ever after, right? And this is the answer. Um, she, she wants one encounter with a prince because that's all she needs. 
that she's dressed like a hobo, right? What do you do? Magic is the answer. Fairy, uh, the, the fairy godmother shows up on the scene. Magic words, bibbity boppity boo, poof. She turns into this beautiful princess, beautiful gown. She's got a, a coach and carriage and the mice turn into the coachman and all this stuff. It's magic. She goes to the ball. She dances with unnamed prince. They fall in love. Again, that's a little creepy. Ladies, if you meet a guy and he chases you down, you met him one time, you don't even know their name, you don't know, and he begins to stalk you, that's stalking. There are laws against that, by the way, right? Okay, think about this. Um, a lot of times what we see happen in Disney movies that they call magic, we also see some of the same things happen in scripture, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so magic is a stand-in in Disney for the Holy Spirit in a lot of ways. You will know, how does that work? So let me help you with this. Um, ladies, guys, if you are single, I want you to hear this. So many times you're in a position like Cinderella and you're like, if I just had the right outfit, if I just dressed better, if I had the right car, if I had the right, then I would be attractive to the right kind of person. I can't get my prince or princess unless I look like this, drive this, have all of my, seemingly have my stuff together. And how's that gonna happen? Let the Holy Spirit help you. The Holy Spirit makes you more attractive. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. But if that's true, I want me some Holy Spirit, right? Okay, think about it this way. Cinderella falsely thought in order to be attractive to the right kind of guy, I've got to dress a certain way. I'm, I'm not fit the way I am. Something's wrong with me, and I need to fix it to be attractive to the right kind of person. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Isn't that the world we live in today, where we look at ourselves and we're like, oh, oh, here's all the problems, here's all the issues, here's all the, the things that are wrong with me. The right person would never settle for somebody like me because... This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. When we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in our lives, he does what we can't do. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 14, listen to what he says. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So one of the Holy Spirit's primary purposes, one of his primary jobs is to remind us of what Jesus has said about us. He's to, to remind us about truth that Jesus has said. And so what happens so many times is we look at ourselves and we go, oh, I am not fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a problem. I'm a mistake. God messed up with me. We've forgotten what God has said, that we are beautifully and wonderfully made. No matter what the standards of beauty or attractiveness are in our world, God says, you are lovely. You are beautiful. You are worth dying for. So that's the first thing with Cinderella, that she had that view off, and the Holy Spirit will help us with that. The second thing is this. When I, when I am full of the Holy Spirit, I might not be attractive to Prince Charming, but I'm gonna be attractive to the right person. Does that make sense? You, you, ladies, you might not appeal to the guy who doesn't care if he knows your name, he just thinks you're hot, because that's what Prince Charming was, right? But you're gonna appeal to a godly man who's gonna take care of your heart, 
a godly man who's going to steward you well. But we don't care about that. Guys, when you concentrate more on what God's doing in your heart than on getting to the gym every day to make sure your biceps look a certain way, I promise you're going to start attracting the right kind of woman. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He makes you more attractive. It's like magic, right? The Holy Spirit fixes our problems. See, the Holy Spirit does work in our lives we don't even know we need. Cinderella thought she needed a man. No, the man wasn't the issue. The issue was she thought she had to perform to a certain level to get the kind of man she wanted. That was all wrong. The Holy Spirit helps root out those kind of problems in our lives. The last thing is this. The gospel according to Disney says, just believe. Just believe. Um, Think about Pinocchio. In Pinocchio, we have Geppetto at the beginning and at the end of the movie. He, He falls on his knees. He clasps his hands. And he begins to pray out a window. But he's not praying to God. He's praying to the the blue fairy princess or whatever it is. And she comes in and, what are your wishes? And you're you're moral, so I'm going to give you what you want. That's basically how this goes. It's it's spiritual. It's quasi-religious. But the song that goes along with this movie, it says, When you wish upon a star makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. Wouldn't you sign up for that? I would. Anything your heart desires will come to you. All you have to do is wish upon a star. And there's some elements of the gospel here. Makes no difference who you are, right? Jesus is no respecter of men. Anyone who's willing, men, women, all ethnicities, he doesn't care. What is it saying? Well, you just have to wish. You just have to believe. You just have to want it bad enough and you will get it. There's another one. It says, a dream is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep. In dreams, you'll lose your heartaches. Whatever you wish for, you keep. Isn't that lovely? It's trash. (laughs) It's not true. A dream is a wish your heart makes? My heart has been making some weird wishes, apparently, Because I've had some dreams where I'm like shopping in my underwear. Like, I don't know what that's about, but. This is garbage. You just believe it and you can achieve it. It's just motivational. This is spiritual motivational talk is what it is. And it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying burn your your Disney DVDs, that's, don't do that. But I'm just saying, let's filter this stuff through the gospel truth because the gospel says believe in Jesus. We don't just believe in belief. We don't just have faith in our dreams. I don't even know what that means, have faith in your dreams. Believe in Jesus. We put our, our faith and our trust and our hope in him. We anchor ourselves in him because he is the one constant in this world. He's the one thing that will never change. I read Romans 3.23. Let me read the verse before that. Romans 3.22. It says, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. No matter who we are. 
We put our faith in Jesus. We trust him. We believe in him. And that's what makes a difference in us. In John chapter one, I love the gospel of John, especially the introduction in chapter one. Um, In the gospel of John, uh, he uses this word believe several times. Actually, he uses the word believe 86 times in this gospel. And it's used more often in the Gospel of John than anywhere else. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a Greek word, pistuo. And pistuo just, it just means believe, a, a deep-seated belief, a conviction. That's what it is. And he uses this word 86 times. It's more than double the times used in any other book in the New Testament. And so over and over and over, we see John trying to drive home this idea that we are supposed to believe deeply in who Jesus is. That it's not just something that we go, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but it is a deep-seated conviction for us. This is what it says in John chapter one, verse 12. It says, but to all who believed him, Jesus, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They were born, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. We have a, a new beginning. We get to start over in Christ. Why? Because We believed him. All who believed him. We don't just believe, we believe him. We have a deep conviction about who he is. And this is one of the things we see in Disney. If you believe enough, what is is he saying? Well, if you have a, a, a deep conviction about your dreams, have faith in your dreams, then they'll come true. And I'm telling you, it's fine to believe for things you dream for, but it's better to have a deep-seated conviction in who Jesus is. Because what happens is we begin saying, hey, Jesus, um, change my dreams. I don't just want the stuff anymore. I want what you want. Because one of the things we see, and I mentioned magic earlier, one of the things we see in Disney is magic is very uh, selfishly motivated. Magic helps me get what I want. Well, I want to be pretty. I want to be strong. I want to be a prince. I want to be acceptable. I want whatever it is. That's what magic does. The Holy Spirit is not just good for us. The Holy Spirit is good for everyone around us. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we allow God to work in our lives, it doesn't just have an impact on us. It impacts those around us as well. So when we have a deep conviction about who Jesus is and what he's done, and we believe, but we don't just believe in some flimsy way, but we go, no, I truly believe Jesus is who he said he is. He is good good, he is trustworthy, something changes, not just in us, but in those around us as well. So what do you believe? What do you believe in? What are you trusting for? What are you believing for? Is it just simply to marry the right person? Is it just simply to be the hero of the story, to get the happy ending, whatever it might be? There's more for you than that. You know, this message is honestly, it's really simple. We're talking about knowing and trusting God, putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And it doesn't get any more fundamental to our, to our faith than that. But the truth is sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we think we're the, the main characters of the story. And we begin to, to deviate from God's purpose and plans for our lives. Maybe you're here and you recognize that you're not really serving God. You're not in relationship with God. Maybe you're very religious, which is great. But somewhere along the way, you realize you've lost your way. 
I wanna give you an opportunity. So right now I'm gonna turn it over to our hosts in Blairsville. They're gonna close out the rest of this message and give you a chance to respond. I love you guys more than you know. and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. So today I just wanna pray with you as we get ready to wrap up and give you an opportunity to respond. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all this place. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you that we can trust you. Lord, I thank you that your word is true. It's not a fairy tale. It's not made up. Every word in it is true. And we can trust you. So God, I pray for those that are here today that are struggling, that have been through difficulty, heartache. They're wondering where their happy ending is. And I pray that you would have mercy on them. Show them your mercy. Extend grace to them today and help them experience your goodness. Help them see how near you are in the middle of their heartache and loss and pain. I pray for those that are here that maybe recognize that they've been living their life as if it's their life and not yours. I pray that today would be the day we would surrender to you. We'd surrender your lordship and kingship and we'd allow you to do what you really wanna do in our lives. So God, have your way with us over these next few moments. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you'd say to me, Mel, I'm, I recognize today that I'm not really serving God. I'm not really in relationship with Jesus, but I wanna be. I wanna surrender my life to him. I, I know today I need a savior. I need a, I need a hero that I can't save myself. And I wanna surrender my life to Christ today. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray with you. If you wanna be included in that prayer, would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high where I can see it and you put it right back down. If you'd say, Mel, pray for me. Include me in that prayer. Would you slip your hand up real high where I can see it? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, a couple hands, two, three hands on my left. Thank you, ma'am, in the center section. Praise the Lord. Yeah, thank you on my right. I have two hands over here. Yeah, thank you, ma'am, on my right. Praise God. I see you in the back. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Who else would join these and say, Mel, that's me. Pray for me. Include me in that prayer. I want to surrender it all to Christ. Yeah, thank you on my right. All right. I'd like every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud. The book of Romans tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so I want us to pray this prayer together, but I don't want you to pray it mindlessly. I don't want you to just repeat it. I want you to pray it from your core, from the heart of who you are. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From now on, I turn away from my old life. And from now on, I am yours. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, scripture says you're a new creation. And I want you to know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about sanctification and we wanna help you grow in your faith. We wanna help you take the next step in your faith. So the simplest thing for you to do would be to simply take your mobile device and text Summit PA to the number 94,000. Let us know about your decision. We're gonna respond back and help you take the next step in your faith journey. Or you can take the card out of the seat back in front of you, fill it out, take it to the info center when we're done here in just a few minutes. And they're gonna give you a, a new Bible and they're gonna help you take the next step in your faith journey. So thank you for making that decision. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. I believe that. Here's what's gonna happen now. Um, Pastor Todd is gonna lead us in a final song. We're gonna worship together one more time. And as we're singing, some of our prayer team is gonna join me here at the front of this room. 
And they're available to pray with you no matter what your need may be. So as we're singing this last song, feel free to find one of them, let them pray with you. And uh, then even when we're dismissed in a moment, some of our team will be available. If you'd like to make your way forward, we'd be delighted and we'd be honored. And as we're singing together, ask the Holy Spirit to show you what needs to change in my life? What needs to shift? Am I, am I the star of my story or are you the star of the story, God? And I promise he'll show you those things. So just ask God to show you and he will. Why don't you stand to your feet together? Let's worship one more time before we go today. Guys, I love you more than you know. And I am so privileged to be your pastor. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week.